We here at Stormdar Weather work hand-in-hand with the National Weather Service and other professional weather service agencies as a weather-ready nation ambassador. We are avid weather enthusiasts who have studied the likes of Mother Nature for over 30 years. The purpose of this podcast is to provide weather information, facts, and trivia in a manner that is entertaining and easily understood by everyone. Well, hello and welcome back to the Stormdar Weather Podcast. This is episode number 46. I'm Rando. I'm Corey. And this is the little snowstorm that didn't edition. <laughs> they didn't hear for sure. Yeah, I was trying to be creative with it. So I thought, okay, at the, what is it? The little engine that could or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, this is the little snowstorm that didn't. And uh, yeah, what did you do during those uh, blizzard flurries that we have? Uh, answered Facebook as to why it's not snowing. <laughs> yeah. What what a mess. Yeah. Well, I want to spend a little bit here at the top of the episode just kind of explaining we exactly what happened. I mean, I've, we, we've done it in the video cast. We've done it on Facebook. But I just, I just want to actually do a longer explanation now that we're on the podcast. So, okay. Models were saw this storm. They saw this storm coming down, and it was coming down the, the Alaskan coast, and it was going to come down into the west coast, and that storm uh, was initially going to enter like at northern California coast or the central California coast, and all the models were analyzing the upper air pattern and watching this thing, and they're saying, okay, this thing's going to come on board, that's going to put us in a prime position that would go east through California, then Nevada, and then truck all the way over into Oklahoma. And at that point, with the counterclockwise spin of the low, it was going to pull up a lot of moisture up and over the cold air and wrap around. That was scenario number one. Uh, The models cannot really forecast a lot that's offshore because we can't sample this storm. That's the problem. So here we go. The storm is coming down. It's getting off the, the western coast of California, and it doesn't do anything. It, not a textbook s- snowstorm. No. No. It just, it, just, it does not come on board. And that doesn't mix with models very well. No. No, because they can't sample it. They right. just can't do it. So we waited. It was supposed to come on Wednesday. We waited. And the longer we waited, the further south that thing went. And so then it went to the like the Southern California coast. And we're thinking, okay, you know, they're forecasting this thing to come on. And all of a sudden, like in the, the, what is it? The Baja Peninsula in California, way down South there. Then it decides to come on board. Now the eastward trajectory of that put the storm going East way South of us. And that's what's the problem. That was the big problem of this whole thing, because you know, like I just said, we can't sample that storm. We can see it by satellite. We can, you know, models can get the upper air patterns through the the weather balloons and kind of see what's going on. But until that thing actually gets on board on shore, we can't, we don't have any way to sample it. Send a weather balloon up, see what the moisture structure is, see what, 
uh, you know, is it vertically stacked? Is it, you know, is it tilted one way or the other? I mean, it, there's just so many questions. So Mother Nature just decided a day and a half later, okay, well, let's go on board now. Well, then that was a total bust for uh, us. And that's the explanation. What affected us, too, uh, and I think we would have got, gotten a little something if it wasn't for the area of high pressure that formed over Iowa and Illinois, and it was running into that, and it was just pushing it away. It was, yeah. And this is yeah. Like a high pressure. That's what, it's kind of like what 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 a hurricane will run into when it's chugging toward Florida and it turns away at the last minute, or or chugging toward the Ozarks and it turns away because because it runs into high pressure and it it can steer the whole thing away, and that's what it did. Exactly, and you know beforehand, if if the ideal scenario. Where, like scenario number one, if that thing did come on board, the models were saying that high was going to stay up in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Well, that would allow more of that moisture to come up. But what happened? Well, the high didn't even do that. The high came down and started hanging out around Quincy and Hannibal, Missouri. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's even a further southward. And high pressure usually has almost always a lot of dry air. And the high pressure grew and grew. And when it got stronger, that's the theory. I mean, it's it just matched up. The 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 big low came down there. The high uh, just pushed it down. And uh, I mean, it wasn't a I, w- I wasn't completely floored just because uh, we did have a little bit of snow flurries. But uh, I think I counted two sixteen. I didn't really see any. No, I did. I left to. Uh, I, did, I, I didn't leave the house, so. Oh, well, that's why. They were few and far between. I got to tell you, I was going to work. That's what it was. I left the house, and I thought, oh. Okay, so here was this grapple type stuff like hitting my windshield, and then it would kind of rain and then kind of snow, and then it's like, okay. And about five minutes, it was done. You know, I texted you and said, hey, it's doing something. You're like, I don't see it because <laughs> it quit. And that was over in the Mount Branson at Storm Dar 1 headquarters over here. So I'm not sure. I think it did a little something like on Roark. I went down Roark and it started doing it again, but. But that was it. No accumulation. And so our confidence in the whole thing just was deflated. I'm Well, from the get-go, the, 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 the gradient was huge. They knew where wherever this thing was going to go, you could get, well, what they were saying was 9 to 10 inches, you know, in the main bit. And, and just a few miles north, it would taper off to almost nothing. And it was such a gradient in such a small area. Exactly. so And that's what they were saying, too. Yeah. Any slight shift north or south could be the difference between five inches and zero. <laughs> and we got zero. I mean... For sure. Yeah. Do, do you know how much Harrison got? I know it was doing some stuff down there. Not a whole lot. Uh, they got... Uh, I saw where they had a little more to the west of Harrison, south of Fayetteville area... Just oh, okay. the dusting, basically. All right. And, and and the further into Arkansas you got, they got a little bit of a glazing of ice in the Mount Magazine State Park area. It looked really cool with the sun hitting it the next day. But it didn't do any, any anything, uh, no, no travel concerns or anything like that. It was just a glazing. Okay, good. But, uh, you know, that storm, snowstorm really picked up as it went to the, toward the East Coast. So uh, yeah. they, they, uh, they got quite a bit over there. I know that. I'm calling that, you know... You talk about a lot about the perfect storm and everything comes into, you know, all the ingredients are there and everything comes into effect to make the perfect storm. This is called the perfect bust, in my opinion. You know, so that's that's my the, story. The, the perfect I'm, bust, yes, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know what, uh, what really surprised me is because I did uh, on Friday morning, I went and did the rounds on the radio station. I talked to Janet Ellis and I talked to Josh Grisham. And then I did a, a phoner with Lisa down at the radio station in Harrison. And, and one of the questions that she asked was, you know, is there any, you know, could this just dramatically change? And, and my initial thought was, well, we're like 12 to 18 hours out to this. I mean, I really don't think much is going to change. I mean, Harrison was favored to get a little bit more than we oh, were. Sure. Because, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, yeah. So the winter weather advisory going into effect. And then all of a sudden, I think it was the next morning. I can't remember exactly what time it was. I looked winter storm warning for Harrison. I thought, what in the world? It was is going during on? your uh, show on Saturday. On the show. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So, yeah. So I immediately like emailed. You know, Karen and and the people from from the radio station. I said, "Look, we got this winter storm warning." But honestly, my confidence really wasn't that high. On Here's it. what I think: yeah. why they pulled the trigger on that. Um, th- it was a very tight knit, small area for a winter storm warning. They were really concerned about a certain, just a few certain counties, and those counties are rough driving. Oh, yeah. Okay, so two to four inches. On those counties, in my opinion, would warrant a winter storm warning for two to four inches. It's that they're they're they don't have good roads. Uh, yeah, it's very 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 Hills, hilly and curvy. Yeah, right. So I think that's maybe why they went ahead and pulled the trigger on that. Well, and the text also I was reading they they said a tenth to a quarter inch of ice, right, and two to four inches of snow. I mean, to me that would warrant a, sure. a winter storm warning. But again, you know, it was up for a while, and then I looked back. Was it later that night or the next morning or something? It's like, ah, eh, okay, no, it's a winter weather advisory. So this storm was throwing everybody off. I mean, just the the the, the mechanics, and it had a adverse reaction toward uh, meteorologists all over Oklahoma, Missouri, the Ozarks, Arkansas, everywhere, and I think it has to do with. You know, the, the I'll say this. The meteorologists wanted it to happen just as much as everybody else because it's been so long since we've had a good snow. Yeah. Uh, it's been 1,700 days or something like that that wow. Springfield, the Springfield National Weather Service office has issued a winter storm warning. How many years is that? Several years. Oh, yeah. But um, they wanted it to happen. And another thing is it was the first big potential snowfall for us of the year and to me whenever that happens it's a little blown out a proportion just a little bit because people the general public is more aware of it because mm-hmm. it's the first one. Oh yeah the national weather service treats it a little to me they give it a little more emphasis uh because they wanted it to happen if this were to have if this would have been our fifth or sixth snowstorm in in february or march I don't think that it would have got the same effect of ticking everybody off as it did this time around. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. It, it's the same thing if you're up in, in, in North Dakota and you get a winter storm warning that people are like, oh, okay, it's going to snow again. Right. You know, Or in Texas, if you have a winter weather advisory, freak out, that type of thing. And But what this did, uh, sorry, but what this okay. does tell me is uh, I think that our atmosphere will be set up and be more conducive to 
actual snowfall this year. This is the way the way things are happening. Mm-hmm. Even though this one was a bust, I feel that we're in for it just a little bit more this year. Than, I one hundred percent agree yeah. with you. I I do. It's you know something this early going on. I mean, we're not yeah. even in astronomical winter. Correct. We're not in winter yet. No. This is late fall. I just want to remind everybody, we're in late fall for another couple of weeks. December 21st is when the actual winter solstice? Yeah. Equinox. Yeah. I always confuse the equinox and solstice. I have to think about it. So, you know, the equinoxes where the days are the same length, which is spring and fall. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Shortest and, day of the year, 21st. 21st. My and, son's birthday. Oh, is it really? Is it Grant yep. or? Grant. Nice. He'll be, what, 19? 20. 20. Wow. Wow. Big yeah. birthday party for him, I bet. I guess. Maybe it'll snow. No. You never know. It might. <laughs> no, the one thing I want to definitely tell people, we've had a couple of side comments like that like this. Uh, this is not this whole event would not be in the hype category. Um, a hype, when we talk about hype, is when you take something that like a model data, something two or three weeks down. The, the road, which has basically a 0% chance of happening, and then spreading that on Facebook, that's hype, because you cannot do that. And I even said that on the radio station. You can't take something three weeks down the road and say, this is going to happen. I mean, Which shoot, a lot of people do. They do. And I haven't had, have not quite had to bring out the hype train just yet, but <laughs> I, I've got it in my pocket, so hypers. No, this was a statistical and model uh inaccuracy they they all the, all the models that's the thing too all the models were saying this and that's what set set up the red alert the red flag for all the meteorologists when when all the models were in agreement and so far in advance mm-hmm. we're talking you know six seven days in advance all the models were saying the same thing basically yeah and when the medium range models like three days out got a hold of it I mean, I think the wharf was a little going, a little bit going, yeah, maybe, but they were still bringing snow and all this stuff, and that's because the models had not sampled this storm yet. That's what we're talking about, based on the their predictions. If this thing had come aboard on northern uh, coast or the western coast and moved eastward, yes, I would say with ninety nine percent accuracy, yes, we were going to going to get something. The storm didn't do that. So they were then they were started freaking out. What? What? What's going on? And then the weather service started freaking out. And then we saw other meteorologists going around, and then it just turned into flurries. And I had so. a feeling, you know, five days out, four days out, three days out, that there are too many things that could go wrong. Yes. Yes. And they did. Yeah, that's why I said 99%, because <laughs> there's always that one change. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to say 100% this is going to happen. You can't can't do that. But it, that, I just I wanted to address that on, on the hype issue. This was not in the hype category. This was in the models just didn't know what was going on category. So, okay, we've talked about the storm. So let's talk about what's coming up this week. We've got uh, had nice, bright, sunny day today. I mean, once the clouds kind of burned off. Tomorrow, what's going to happen, uh, which is Tuesday. We're recording this Monday evening. On Tuesday... Sunny skies, maybe some clouds floating around, uh, especially towards the, the latter half of the day. But high pressure to our south is moving into the se- southern states, and that clockwise 
uh, motion around the high pressure is going to start pumping up warmer air. So I would not be surprised if some places would flirt with 60 degrees tomorrow. Mm. Well, yeah, I can see that. It'd be nice. It'd be a nice uh, reversal of, I mean, it's been, it was 17 degrees this morning when I got up. The past few mornings it's been like that. Yeah. It's nuts. Like yeah. like in the teens? Crazy. Well, that's high pressure. Right. You know, high get, pressure is usually, I mean, just cold. Yeah, you know, this time of year. Yeah, it is. And you have no clouds at night, so you've got what we call radiational cooling, which that means that temperature is just going to tank when that sun goes mm-hmm. down. So, yeah, we need clouds. So, uh, the you know, the clouds are going to start moving in tomorrow evening, Tuesday evening, as that high kind of moves out, a little weak waves coming through. And that's going to put the, the, the brakes on the temperatures tomorrow night from tanking. So, we got some cloud cover. We'll have the low in the upper 20s, but... Uh, yeah, and then the next system rolls in on Thursday. Just in time for a meteor shower. I know it. I know. The Geminids are out there. And, and they're usually the best of the year, you know, basically. Yeah. You know, it's going to rain here on, <laughs> on, on, on Thursday. 90% chance is what I read uh, about an hour ago now. Yeah, yeah. They're, so. they're up in those, the rain. I mean, this thing looks like it's got quite a bit of rain in it. Yeah. Now. Didn't we talk about the Geminids last week? A little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I saw a graphic where the best viewing of it is, and it's basically Kansas, like western Kansas. Uh, if you draw a line from western Kansas down to Arizona, there's a big area there that's going to really get a good uh, good viewing. Not as many clouds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but not not here. Thanks, Mother Nature. <laughs> I, I think she's got a beef out for us this now, year. Now, I will say this. Yeah. You can get... Early, early meteorites. You can get later, late stragglers. So if you one of these nights that you know you can see through the clouds, go out there, take a gander. You're not going to get the 125 an hour, but you might see a few. So, that, so we're kind of leading up to it basically. Right. And uh, then I think this thing moves out Friday and then Saturday. So I got to check during uh, during the weather school. I want to remind me to check the forecast for Saturday. Uh, I'm writing, making my notes now, forecast for Saturday. Yeah, because if it's clear then, we might, again, see those little stragglers, Mm -hmm. stragglers coming back around. But uh, the good thing about this system coming in, there's really not any cold air behind it. It's more of a a Pacific-based system. So we are looking at some rain, some probably appreciable rain. I hope so. Uh, Yeah, and then, I mean, the jury's still out on whether the tail end of that thing is going to pull in any cold enough air to switch anything over just now. I'm not feeling it. Earlier in the week, they actually had a chance of that happening uh, Thursday night uh, from Springfield. They mentioned rain possibly changing over to snow, but that since has been removed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's just the, because you have to have a good amount of cold air, and, and we're, we're warming up. I mean, yeah, we're going to sure. have like 50s and 30s for lows or whatever. Um, the average high for this time of year is about 47. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't know what the average low is, but still, I mean, we, we should be in the upper 40s to around 50 for normal temperatures. So so <laughs> that's what we're saying. If we're in, in the mid-50s, we're really warm for late fall. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I want to do, let's move on to the El Nino update. Uh, we're going to you know, hopefully do this segment every time if there's any changes. Um, what uh, what I've read, the we are in 
Basically, El Nino neutral or La Nada conditions uh, as of December 3rd. It comes out like every week or whatever. Although they're still saying there's approximately an 80% chance of El Nino developing the, in the wintertime and a 55 to 60% chance continuing into spring. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, the, the temperatures are elevated, but they're not out of control. The uh, you know all the ocean conditions are right for El Nino to, to to occur yeah to happen that's why they have that El Nino watch they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't popped an El Nino warning if that's what they call it I mean, uh, yeah I don't know it. what they call it but, <laughs> holy cow it's an El Nino <laughs> but uh, yeah. the atmospheric conditions are not responding to the to the ocean temps as of right now I and mean, that's what they're yeah. watching yeah which is weird. So we'll see how that goes. I, I, they're gonna they're gonna get together in the, in the El Nino office somewhere, wherever that conference, and <laughs> and uh, talk about it and see what they think. And we should make might actually have a little bit more information on that next week. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I was reading that article you sent me, and I thought, what is it? People just get together and vote. Is that what? It is? Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Do we hear how how many El Nino yays do we have? Eyes. <laughs> no, that no, that's not. But but we gotta we gotta say though. I mean, if uh, the sea surface temperatures around you know the equatorial Pacific, you know, off the coast of South South Africa, South America, uh, are a little elevated, but they're not. Like I said, they're not out of control. And we have to stress El Nino is only one component. To the whole atmosphere, the global, you know, thing. They, we got to look at, you know, the PDO. We've got to look what's happening around the world. We got to, uh, you know, the, the uh, North Atlantic Oscillation. We've got to look at the jet stream. We have to look at all this stuff. So, but El Nino, I think the article was saying there, there is a common thread with that El Nino, and that's why everybody's, you know, keeps watching it. Or well, something. everybody was watching the snowstorm that hit the south, and mm-hmm. and that would be very common with El Nino conditions yeah. for that to happen. Yeah. So people were wondering if El Nino caused that. I go, well, it hasn't really developed yet, but that's what you would get in one if one were to develop. It's very, very uh, similar. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of factors that go mm-hmm. into it. So, so yes, that is correct. I mean, if on an El Nino year, you got these floods in California, these storm systems go south, get a lot of mudslides over there. Yeah, which is remember our weather word of the week last week? <sighs> no, Lahar, <laughs> or, or two weeks ago. I don't know. It was I like one of those Lahar. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, when you go and you get the mudslides off the volcanoes, well, that I mean, it's not off volcanoes, but but yeah, uh, mudslides, and then. And then that tracks across just like this storm did. So this this pattern was kind of typical of El Nino, even though we're technically not in one. And I don't know what to think. I mean, the only thing is just to follow it. Uh, you you got to get a low, a big low pressure system in the Gulf of Alaska, and that counterclockwise flow. Uh, I think we talked with Mike about this uh, last time he was on. But yeah, the counterclockwise flow is going to push the Pineapple Express, basically, onto California. I, I love that term. Isn't it, isn't it neat? Yeah. I think they should call it Chiquita. Chiquita banana, you know, pineapple. Sure. Or is it bananas? I don't know. <sighs> okay, I need to Chiquita stick to script. Chiquita is banana, so Dole's pineapple. Dole. is yeah. the Dole Express. That's what it is. <laughs> and on Springfield, you drive to those, or by those uh, 
little stands with the Hawaiian girl called Pineapple Whip. I heard those are the best. I've never heard one. Oh, I've seen those. I've yeah. never had I, one. I need to get me one of those. Try that out. They open a certain amount of days during the winter just because people miss them that eat okay. them in the summer. So I'm going to head on up there. They're only open, they're open like one Saturday a month in the winter. I'm going to go try them. Oh, no way. The Pineapple Whip. Oh. Not associated with storm dark weather. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just we diverted into yeah. <laughs> pineapple. Hmm, that sounds kind of good. <laughs> um, okay, so on my notes, they say the the effects of El Nino are supposedly the cause of rough weather in the south, but slightly warmer sea, sea surface temperatures do exist, but the atmosphere isn't really responding. So, so let me ask you this, in your okay. opinion. If it were caused by El Nino and caused by the warming of the seas over there mm-hmm. and the atmospheric conditions were more ripe mm-hmm. would it have been a lot worse would what we have had been a lot worse in your opinion not necessarily here but maybe in the yeah. south and up the, my the opinion east. i don't think it would be worse i would think it would be more consistent yeah there was no consistency for sure N- no no not at all i mean that that's my opinion would have I been mean, easier to forecast well, yeah, there's the other question among the whole thing. I mean, I, I know with, with the global warming aspect, yeah, tornadoes and thunderstorms are getting more severe. Hurricanes are getting more frequent and stronger. We know that. But the El Nino thing, uh, I need to do some research on that to see if, if global warming has any effect on this El Nino effect. Ooh, no, that's something no for next week. i have to do a weather school on that. I have to ask Mike about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll go to the professionals. Yeah. Stuff, stuff that we don't know. We're, we're going to go right to the top. <laughs> go to the lead forecasters. <laughs> well, we talked about earlier the, um, you know, the, the, the storm that came on board. We haven't been able to sample it until it came on board. And how we sample it is we push, uh, we launch weather balloons. And that is the weather school. I thought that would be a good weather school. Uh, for this week. So weather balloons it is. Let's learn about those. If there's something about the weather that you want to know, Stormed Our Weather School. The National Weather Service just said there will be a special weather balloon launch due to the potential of some severe weather developing later today. What's a weather balloon? A weather or sounding balloon is a type of high-altitude balloon that carries instruments aloft to send back information on atmospheric pressure, temperature, humidity, and wind speed by means of a small, expendable measuring device called a radiosonde. A radiosonde is a battery-powered telemetry instrument that measures various atmospheric parameters and transmits them back by radio to a ground receiver. Radiosondes on weather balloons can be tracked by radar, radar direction finding, or navigation systems such as GPS. Balloons that are meant to stay at a constant altitude for long periods of time are known as transosondes. Weather balloons that do not carry an instrument pack are used to determine upper-level winds and the height of cloud layers. 
A radio sound that is dropped from an airplane and falls, rather than being carried by a balloon, is called a drop sound. Specialized radio sounds are used for measuring particular parameters, such as determining the ozone concentration. The balloon itself produces the lift and is usually made of a highly flexible latex material, though chloroprene may be used, and the radio sound hangs at the lower end of the string. The balloon is usually filled with hydrogen due to lower costs, although helium can also be used. The ascent rate can be controlled by the amount of gas which with the balloon is filled. Weather balloons may reach altitudes of 25 miles or more, limited by the diminishing pressure causing the balloon to expand to such a degree that it disintegrates. A parachute attached to the end of the balloon allows the radio sound to fall slowly to the ground at speeds less than 22 miles an hour after the balloon bursts. Each radio sound contains a mailing bag and instructions on what to do if you find one. About 20% of the 75,000 radio sounds sent up each year in the U.S. are found and returned. These instruments are fixed and reused, saving the government money. For lower altitudes, a smaller ceiling balloon is used to determine the altitude of cloud bases. And for much higher altitudes, sounding rockets are used. And for even higher altitudes, satellites are used. Weather balloons are launched around the world for observations used to diagnose current conditions as well as by human forecasters and computer models for weather forecasting. About 800 locations around the globe do routine releases twice a day. Some facilities will also do occasional supplementary special releases when meteorologists determine that there is a need for additional data between the 12-hour routine launches in which time much can change in the atmosphere. One of the earliest documented uses of weather balloons was by a French meteorologist, Leon Tesserin de Bourg. He was actively launching weather balloons as early as 1896. His work was instrumental in the discovery of the tropopause and the stratosphere. Because de Boer's work was so instrumental, he was honored by having both a crater on the moon and a crater on Mars named after him. In the early 1900s, a meteorologist and geophysicist by the name of Alfred Wegener used weather balloons to perform experiments which led him to discover the continental drift theory. He published his theory in 1912. His theory was met with a lot of resistance and wasn't accepted until the 1960s, more than 30 years after his death. He has also been honored by having both a crater on the moon and a crater on Mars named after him. James Van Allen, who would later discover our Earth's Van Allen belts, also performed many important weather balloon experiments in the 1950s. Time magazine honored him as Man of the Year in 1960. Imagine what you could discover by launching your own mission to the edge of space. Weather balloons are typically manufactured from latex. Latex is a natural substance found in many plants. Plants use latex 
as a defense against herbivorous insects. This milk-like liquid can be extracted from trees, much like maple syrup is extracted from maple trees. Once the latex is naturally extracted, it is spun in a mold in the shape of the balloon and cured. Each balloon is then inflated and inspected for leaks and defects before being shipped out to distributors and customers. A little fun fact. In July of 1982, truck driver Larry Walters tied 42 weather balloons to a lawn chair with the goal of flying out of Los Angeles following the wind currents over the desert and coming to rest safely in the Rocky Mountains. The balloons had more lifting power than Walters bargained for, however, and within minutes his flying lawn chair had shot up to a chilly 16,000 feet. Thankfully, Walters had an air gun aboard, and he was able to shoot out a few of the balloons, descending safely into a backyard in Long Beach, California. It's nearly impossible to predict the weather without knowing the conditions of the upper atmosphere. It may be sunny and quiet at sea level, but at 18,000 feet, a weak storm system could soon turn into something more dangerous. By sending up regular squadrons of balloons to measure the conditions of the upper atmosphere, meteorologists can keep tabs on brewing storms. If you have a question about the weather you'd like us to answer, then send us an email at stormdarweather at gmail.com and in the subject line, put weather question. Well, that does it for this edition of Stormdar Weather School. You know, I wonder how much it would cost to buy 42 weather balloons off of Amazon. I think they're between 80 and $150 a piece. A piece? Yeah. So and, we're talking. And then you got to buy the what you put in it to fly it. The hydrogen or yeah. whatever. So pricey. That's uh, probably not worth it. It'd be fun though. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I would be, It'd be scary I, I, I is would, what it would be. I would be interested in, in experimenting with a couple of weather balloons and GoPros and seeing what we could figure out. Well, you know, all we need to do is sell a little bit more merch. And, uh, For sure. Yes. And Maybe we could sell them on there. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we need a stormed our banner. <laughs> going that would up be everywhere. cool. <laughs> that would be cool. So yeah, I learned quite a bit on this, uh, on that, on the weather school. I was researching it and stuff. I just didn't even know. And that. Where would we be without that data? You know, it's just. Oh, it's it's invaluable. Absolutely. I mean, we and people would not think even you know, know weather balloons. That's you know old technology, but 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 it's not. I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. old how they get it up there, and but 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 what's in in that instrument they they send up? That's is, the, the radio song, right? Yeah, I mean that that's what. Tell, I mean the balloons are cool, sure. You know, but what? But the thing that really gives all the information is that radio son mm-hmm. or transoson or drop son. Very so. cool. Anyway, okay, well, it's time for this week in weather history. So, Corey, what you got? Well, this week in weather history in nineteen fifty two. It was the week both my parents were born. Doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but you know, I I, I was searching for one, and 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 they all had to do with snow. And I was like, snow. Nobody wants to hear about snow right now because you know it's like. So I found one, and it, it's not even in this country. It, it happened in London. The month of December started off with very chilly temperatures in London back in December of 1952. 
it resulted in, in, in the people of London, they, they were burning more coal to heat up their homes. And then something happened, a high pressure, it settled over uh, uh, over the, is it the, how do you pronounce that river over there, Thames? Or Thames. Thames. Thames, yeah. Thames, yeah. Well, I can, yeah. <laughs> I can pronounce them all but that one. The Thames River, causing it, it caused a dense layer of smog to develop. Oh, okay. And when I say dense, that 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 smog became so thick, and by uh, the first week, uh, by uh, December eighth, virtually no sunlight was seen in London. Whoa! Now, most conservative estimated. Play, the most conservative estimated the death toll at 4,000. No way. But some estimated it more along the lines of 8,000 from smog. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mean, but it, it from the cold or just from the smog? From the smog, they had that high pressure develop right over them. And it just locked everything in. And it just in. locked everything right there over wow. London. Can you imagine not seeing the sun? Oh my gosh! The and you're breathing all that in. Yeah, yeah. So I bet it was. I bet it was over four thousand actually. And and for our listeners who are not familiar with smog, it is a uh, compound word. Is that it? It's a combination of two words mm-hmm. with smoke and fog. So it's just yucky. And uh, San Francisco gets that a lot. And uh, yeah, this it's it's not healthy for you. It's not. I fog. wonder if they burn more coal. Over there than we would over here in, in in heating, you know, in London back in 1952. Hmm. You know, you see all the uh, old movies and they're, you know, like uh, the the chimney cleaners and Dick Van Dyke with the Mary Poppins. Right, and right, right. And, and soot. <laughs> right. So I don't know if that's how that was the, I guess that's, you know, how people heat, heat their homes back then. I, I, I don't know. I, I would assume that's still how some of them do it today. I mean... Yeah, that kind of makes sense because uh, we we all should know in low pressure air rises and high pressure air sinks, mm-hmm. and that makes total sense because think about it: in the dog days of summer in August, we usually have a big high pressure system, and we have this very humid, hazy conditions. That's because the air can't rise. There's the high pressure is just pushing it all down. So if you have coal burning and lots of you know, smoke from that and the high pressure moves in, that makes total sense to me. It's not a good thing. It just, <laughs> you know, physically on mechanically, it makes sense to me. Wow. Here's a, a more accurate portrayal. It's showing, I got a picture of a guy riding a motorcycle in the middle of the day. Looks like night. It's saying 12,000 people died, which is probably about right. That looks like it's, like a foggy night. Yeah. Well, it's not. Like with street lights, you know, and in the fog and stuff. And that's the middle of the day. Says Lennon was trapped in a wow. deadly cloud of fog and pollution for five days. Can you imagine that? My gosh. How many people got sick? Wow. Can can people Google that? Because you know yeah. people on yeah, the yeah, on, yeah. It's what, all what, over Google. Okay. Wikipedia. Just search uh, 1952 London smog on Google. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a picture like that. worth, worth worth seeing there. I kind of forget we have listeners and not video people. <laughs> it's like you're showing me, I'm showing you stuff. Like, wait, 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 we got to tell our listeners how to <laughs> where to see that. But man, yeah, I mean, we're not going to have any of that around here. It says it basically choked him to death. No kidding. Yeah. 
uh, that's uh, ungood. No. No, we don't. We don't want smog, you know. And we we've got it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. So let's. Why don't we go on to our next segment? It's the weather word of the week. So the Stormdar weather weather word of the week this week is. I don't know if I can pronounce this one. Uh, you can try. Okay, bust. Ta-da! <laughs> And I've used this term for years and years and years and years and years, and it's usually not dealing with winter weather, but but spring storm systems. I call them a bust. Yes, because you know everybody knows what a bust is. Oh, that was a bust. You know, you you had the the, the wagons coming from the east going to the uh, gold mining in California, in California or bust. You know, so, you know right, right. Well, right. our snow system was a bust, of course. Well, a yes. bust is an inaccurate forecast. Uh, Usually a situation which significant weather is expected but does not occur. Now, listen, I'm not blaming the meteorologist. No, no, not at all. The the, the, the data that the meteorologist received, that's a different story, you know. Uh, they can only do what they can do. They cannot tell the future. No, nobody can tell the future. No, no, absolutely not. And I wanted to, to also say, yes, bust is... Okay, when I search for weather words of the week, I go to sources like meteorological sources all different sources this word was actually in the weather dictionary terminology site that i i found so this is technically a official and official word i wonder if that was added later you know you sometimes you see every year that the dictionary webster's dictionary adds three or four words a year and they usually have to do with more you know, tech tech savvy things, and I wonder if they added bust later, if they actually came up with bust early on. On that definition? Yeah. You know, I know they do that, but the last time I, I remember I was in seventh grade, and and my 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 English teacher, ain't is not a word, hmm. and a few years later, bam, got right into the, yeah. into the dictionary. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Stephen Colbert words, too. I mean, <laughs> truthiness, you know, that, <laughs> that's in there. And, I, man, all these words that, that are added. And I think I heard somewhere that you can actually make up a word and have a legitimate definition and contact them, and they will make it a word. Sometimes I think it's a gimmick the way they do it now is because people, they add these words that are really popular, you know, pop culture. and Selfie. Why, I mean, they added selfie. They probably... They think it's going to sell more dictionaries or something. When I go just look it up on my phone. You know? I know. Well, yeah. Do, do they even make encyclopedias anymore? I, I think they do, but not like they used to. You know, it's not like you used to back in the day. You had the Britannia and the World Book. Oh, yeah. I think I had, I had one of those. Yeah. One of those doesn't exist anymore, but one, the other one does. I can't remember which one, but uh, it's all online. Of course, you can subscribe to encyclopedias. But then they have the free one called Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia, and you, you got to which you anybody watch, yeah. anybody can edit that and change it however they want. Yeah, which that you know honestly between us, I think can get you in a lot of trouble. Absolutely. If you yeah, you yeah. can find the gist of your answer there, but I would also back it up with a better source. You know. Oh, yeah. When I do the weather schools, I mean, usually Wikipedia is the first place I go, and then I go to the National Weather Service. I always go to the National Weather Service to find information on that. I go to other side sites. always like to verify things. Uh, yeah, that's the thing in research. You, you can't just take one source, which is why you can't take a GFS 384-hour mm. model and say, this is going to happen. No, 
I, you know, I cross-reference, so you know with the weather schools, unless unless the, the internet is wrong, I'm wrong, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so there's a lot of research I go into this. And, you know, like and like the little jingle said, I mean, I am looking for weather schools. So if you all have any, you know, questions or maybe a subject that, that I could make a six or seven minute, you know, weather school out of, Please email us at stormdarweather at gmail.com. Message us on our page or whatever. I'm I'm actually I'm not really running out, but I want to make things interesting for people. So I need to put that on well, the Well, we need more audience interaction in this podcast. If people have ideas for, for a segment we want they want would like to, you know, we're oh, all yeah. we're all we're all ears. Ex- know, oh, I love it. Anything, yeah. Anything. They could they could email us or get anything. with us somehow. And yeah, sure. And we want to make sure and plug. The snowflake contest. Yeah, I didn't do much of plugging over the weekend because I I was kind of (laughs) mad. Like, a lot of people. Had a, their, I don't even want to talk about the snow right now. Yeah, they had their cameras already, and then like you know, three snowflakes fell. It's like, really, guys? Mm-hmm. Come on. No, but uh, you know, I agree with you. I think we are set up in a position where we're going to get at least two or three more uh, events. I mean, I do think we're going to get a snow that covers the ground. I don't think it's going to be a mammoth blizzard snow, but who knows? Uh, yeah, it's too 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 hard to tell. And you know, we haven't done our winter weather outlook yet. I mean, there's been way too many things going on, and things and are going to slow down, right? Yeah, maybe we need to maybe we need to save it. We'll do our spring outlook. Much easier for me. <laughs> well, and we'll know by then if the El Nino is going to storm. In. Well, yeah, but if if El Nino is kicked in at that, well, point. if El Nino kicks in, we'll know early on, and if it. If it holds on into spring, then you could have your March snowstorms. When that's when you get your or May. Good, well, I hope not. <laughs> no, I, I'm good if we have a have a late snow in April. The good thing about snows in April and May, if they happen, they don't last long. No, that's the thing. I mean, we are in transition. I mean, March, third week of March is spring. So now we're we're transitioning back now to, to warm weather. So by that, the time second week of March is here, I'm I'm in spring mode. By yeah, the time March first gets here, I'm in I'm in spring storm mode. I'm in warmer weather mode, so I'm done with winter. Well, I think most of the people are. Yeah, and March first is meteorological spring. Yeah. So that's when we start getting really, really, really excited. Oh well, I mean, too bad that storm was a bust. I mean, we got you know the rest of December, January, and February to maybe hopefully get some snow. I mean, but warmer temperatures this week. And honestly, I looked at the GFS. I know I'm looking at long range, but they do pretty good with temperature. I'll put it that way. I'm not seeing even the climate prediction models. I'm not seeing a huge chunk of cold air coming down through the end of the year. So I'm going to hold on to that. Yeah, through this month, I, I saw where we're kind of expected to be just above average for the for, for, for the next couple of weeks anyway. Yeah, and the next week we'll do another Climate Prediction Center update and see what they have to see, if they've changed their minds at all. I mean, you know, equal chances just means average. You know, uh, much above is one thing, much below is one thing. But when you got EC on the Climate Prediction Center, that's just, yeah, it's going to be average. So we'll see. I don't know. Got anything else? I don't think so. Okay, well, let's wrap this thing up. Be sure to look for us on Facebook at Stormdar Weather. Like our page and be sure to like or comment on our posts to have them show up in your newsfeed. 
You can always contact us through our Facebook page or send us an email to stormdarweather at gmail.com. Well, that does it for this time. So join us next week for the next edition of the Stormdar Weather Podcast.